Hello, it's conference season and we dispatched Matt to the British International Studies Association 2015 conference in London. He's still recovering from the future that he saw there, but we'll be uploading a special interview every Tuesday for the next few weeks as a result. We hope it was worth it, as the travel to the centre of the empire doesn't come cheap. For the first of the interviews, here's Alexandra Martins talking about heroes in science fiction. Okay, so hello everyone, we're here at BISA, and I'm sitting down with Alexandra Martins from Lisbon University. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, so you've done some research on the idea of the hero in science fiction. Tell us about that. Okay, so the, the hero is a constant in uh, humankind, especially the fictional hero. The, the first uh, document written that we have is the story of Gilgamesh. That's a science fiction tale, it's on, on terms. So the science fiction hero is particularly important to us and to our culture because uh, the, in science fiction we are able to explore politics, cultural, society without the constraints of our world and the, of stereotypes. So the hero becomes something that um, we like to be. It's our mirror, our topic self, in a way that a regular hero can be. It can have a superpower, uh, and uh, the biggest superpower it has, it's not the constraints of our society, so let's uh, explore lots and lots of subjects that we might not uh, like to explore. Uh, I, I did it uh, in literature, in literature, science fiction and movies, comic books, video games, and a bit of television, because it's uh, complex and there's lots and lots of material. Uh, the hero in science fiction has changed and has not changed. This means, uh, like uh, Joseph Campbell wrote in The Hero with a Thousand Faces, okay, the, the hero is basically the same, but the interpretation of it differs. We, uh, from the 60s to nowadays, we have a change of the type of hero that people are seeking. Uh, from a more technological hero from the 60s of the post-war and the, the Cold War and uh, some, some uh, attitudes were more important uh, to, to late of the 90s to nowadays it's a more magical kind of hero and superhero What do you think inspired that change? So one of the things we've brought up in the past in on the podcast is different eras of distrust of science um, what other sort of issues have affected the way the science fiction hero has changed? Uh, I, I think that distrust of science and uh, difference in the dangers. In the Cold War, we had a very bipolar world, and we know, even in science fiction, it, uh, sometimes we wrote allegories about the, the good and the evil, and we know, even without speaking it, of whom we were talking about. Yeah. With the end of the Cold War, uh, we needed villains. I think the hero changes also because the villain needs to change. That's another aspect. And uh, without a concrete villain to pinpoint, the evil became an abstract entity. Of course, we have some villains, but um, so the magical part, the, that magical hero, uh, it's important. Also, yeah. I think one area where I'd actually maybe challenge that is that certainly true of European and American science fiction. 
but if we look at, say, Japan gives us two very interesting oh, yes. examples of this. One is that in American sci-fi, radiation creates heroes, whereas in Japanese sci-fi, radiation creates monsters. Yes. And there's a very obvious reason for this. The second one being that in Japanese kaiju movies, um, often there are two monsters fighting, and the Japanese people in the middle are immaterial to the monsters and getting crushed. And this is, a fun, this is clearly a reflection of the Cold War, in that there are these two superpower monsters rather than superpower countries, and all the neutrals being ignored. This would seem to be sci-fi without a hero. Uh, yes, the, the Japan, I analyzed the, the, the Eurocentric part of science fiction. The Japanese part is different because the culture and the concept of hero is different. So uh, the Japanese also, as recently since the 90s, have reinventing their identity. Because since the end of the Second World War, they uh, were being uh, Americanized. And uh, from 90s, 1890s, more 90s nowadays, they are trying to reinvent the Japanese, the iconic mythology and the concept of heroes. So there are very examples of that. Then, uh, so, currently, the, the, the biggest market in the world is for superheroes. Uh, Marvel do it, DC are constantly reinventing heroes. They've always been present, but it's kind of clear that now we have a pop culture more interested in heroes than it was a very short time ago. What, what's caused the resurgence of superheroes? Why does the singular protagonist have more strength? Is it post 9-11? Is it... I think it's the individualization of the society. I think it's, it's one of the, the reasons. Not only for superheroes, but anti-hero also. Uh, we are living a very individual. Uh, lives. Uh, we are very alone, so we need to uh, believe or we need our, our desires to be uh, about us. So, so I think that's one of the main reasons. Alex, my co-host, would usually characterize a lot of science fiction heroes as Randian, the Ayn Rand style hero, and we talk about this with no small amount of dislike because, well, generally we don't like the works of Ayn Rand, and yet our heroes seem very like the values those works espouse. Would you agree with that characterization? Uh, no, because I think there's a hero for everybody. Okay. <laughs> and the, the interpretation, if you don't like that, you can have uh, another type of hero. Your hero can be the villain. Uh, actually, there are um, an episode of How I Met Your Mother, and the, one of the, the actors, the characters, sorry, in the, um, the Correct Kid movie, the hero for him was the villain. So, if you don't like that kind of hero, you can have another one. There, I think there are heroes for everyone. And uh, the hero is, uh, for example, I hate the, the heroes, uh, traits of the heroes of um, an actor. I hate him. Uh, so I always go to the secondary, to the sidekick. The sidekick is my hero. That's not a problem for me. <laughs> well, this is, I mean, a lot of heroes from previous eras have had, say, moral absolutism, which we now view as a facet of fanaticism, so is maybe villainous. But maybe the best example of sci-fi heroes who are actually the villains is Firefly, where um, they're supposed to be these rebellious cowboys who are meant to like, but then when we imagine the trappings and tropes of the 19th century American, which is based, it's very clear the brown coats are the Confederates, and the Alliance are the Union, and, well, it turns out every former brown coat planet is this hellhole run by a dictator, so... I think potentially it's very easy to take which aspects of a hero you like. Uh, yes, uh, I, I studied uh, during five years uh, in Europe and the United States. I asked different people 
uh, to describe me their hero and I didn't receive a single uh, common answer because it's very personal so uh, but I, you are talking about the, the villains in this case okay, the villain is uh, I didn't understand the question too well so if I'm not answering what okay. you're asking I reformulate the villain you only have heroes um, it was uh, Gamal that said uh, we'll, we will always have heroes because we will always have villains and you don't have you can't have a villain without a hero so uh, they are the same they are two different sides of the same coin they are both important so you have to have both in an history you can have a hero doing nothing or is not a, a hero no. but what about heroes who fight a system do they exist without a villain yes the villain is a system can you pass on a fight? Yes, you, are do, do, you do it every time. When it is the hero saves society, you are society. Uh, the hero is against the government. Oh, I'm going to ask the government for this. Who you're going to ask it? So, yes, you can do it. Also, now that I think, I mean, the most recent example of this would be Katniss Everdeen from The Hunger Games, except, of course, the government is given a, a face and a name in that trilogy as yes. President Snow and spoiler warning for anyone who's still reading the Hunger Games she kills him so okay. <laughs> she does execute the villain um, I suppose to go slightly back to so video games are interesting because they're inherently participatory yes and it would be very easy to characterize them as power fantasy and yet video games have given us I don't know if you've played Bioshock I'm sorry, I didn't... Bioshock is a video game in which oh, sort of I plays with the illusion of choice. Um, so you end up playing as a hero who's apparently saving this entire society, but it turns out you actually don't have any control over your actions. Um, this sort of plays the video game idea that you have to do the levels in sequence oh, okay. and you have okay. to get the right key. Okay. Um, where do you see video games fitting into this? What can they do that other... Uh, this specific video game or any. video games? Okay, you, you have the... You can choose what you, what kind of, if you are, of course, in some, with some limitations of the video games, but you can choose. I think the choice begins when you choose the video game itself, because you choose what type of hero you want to be and what type of fight you want to fight. Even if it's a, you're going to be a football video game or a car racing video game, it's because you want to kill hero, you want to feel the victorious part. I think, and for your ego, for your immediate satisfaction, it's very important. There's currently, we're seeing a shift away from the hero as reflexively white and male. Yes. So we have Mad Max, where we got Imperator Furiosa, who's a middle-aged woman with a visible disability. One of the biggest selling comic books right now is Kamala Khan, who is a teenage woman of color who's also a Muslim. Is this shift simply a broadening of companies to that, okay, we're a capitalist society, we can get more customers by broadening to a base of people who previously didn't read comic books or go to these films? Or are we seeing an actual shift in how we conceive of heroes? Are we moving to an idea where we don't need our heroes to be white men? Uh, I think it's both. I think it's, uh, of, of course, that it's opportunism because it sells, but it's also a symptom that different people, not only uh, white uh, male, uh, are running the industry. Of course, if I'm a female and uh, if I start running a comic book business, I can't put, uh, put human in um, in some protagonist stage. Uh, it's, it's starting to be more diverse. 
uh, also it's a sign of globalization, not only in the United States, but uh, you can find, uh, for instance, in Chinese comic books, more elements of Western culture, of course. So it's it's different. The the, the cyberpunk has done that since the 90s with uh, the Nipponic culture. So it, it's it's not new. Uh, you, I, I remember the um, the Earthsea histories when they were adapted. The author said that yes. uh, they were bad because the protagonists will not be that race, that white race. So I think also there's more awareness. It's all uh, a mixture of all these elements. So one of the other emerging things in pop culture is China appearing as a market mm -hmm. that studios from around the world want to put into. It's been it's been suggested by certain areas that this is going to because of a communist tradition perhaps we're going to see a different kind of film produced. Now you can see this in subtle ways in the Marvel films mention China a lot or the Transformers film portrays the Chinese military as inherently more competent than the Americans. But will this change fundamentally the idea of the hero? Uh, the hero in Chinese culture is very different from ours, so it's not the same. Uh, I, um, it's like in the 90s with the cyberpunk and the Japanese culture. What we, what we are seeing, it's an interpretation from the Chinese culture, not the Chinese culture. Uh, they have the, their own they, they movie industry. Of course, there are some things that they want from us because the human being is all the same. We function all the same, so of course it tends to comfort. So there are some elements of Western culture that they are going to engage. But what we see in our culture, in our our pop culture, not in their pop culture, because that's another industry. It's a, representa a representation of our vision of them. So it's, we have to be very aware of this. To move slightly back to something you said almost at the beginning is that one of the primary powers of a hero is to escape the bonds of their society. It's so sorry? One of the primary powers of a hero is to escape the bonds of their society. Yes. How does that interplay with heroes who are inherently about defending their own society? Heroes like Captain America or Superman who's meant to be defending the American way. Okay, I, uh, maybe I say that but I, I probably want to say other, okay. uh, other thing, I'm sorry. No, the, the, state of the, the, the hero came to regulate. When I said to, to save the... Uh, you said that I said something, sorry. Can you the, repeat uh, uh, he, we, we can cut this if it doesn't work. No, right. that's okay. Um, the, one of the primary powers of a hero is that they're not bound by the rules of their oh, society. No. They are not bound, but they choose. Okay, they choose. Yeah. To to go by the society, but um, of course they can choose not to go to the society to be the villain or the traitor. So. Uh, okay, that should wrap us up. I suppose the final question is, um, which hero would you want to be? Um, I want to be myself and to a thousand. <laughs> No, I have lots of heroes. I, I, I have a Portuguese one that uh, uh, created the, he was a warrior and ended a saint man. So I think he did the whole cycle okay. and uh, achieved the quadrature of the cycle. So. Okay, uh, well, Alexandra Martins, thank you very much. No, thank you.